Okay, so thanks everybody for joining us tonight. Um, we're here and we got Pat Spratt uh, joining us tonight and we're going to be talking about coaching and games development in the club and how you might utilize the benchmarking process to maximize opportunities. So uh, Pat will lead it, but we'll probably be working a bit in collaboration, a lot of stuff with both of us will be working on, um, but I said we'll, uh, Pat will be, be driving on. The topics we're gonna to go through will be the, we'll just have a quick introduction. Um, Pat, we'll go through the club school link, we'll go through the nursery, the child player, uh, youth player, and questions, any questions you may have after that, um, feel free to fire them. So to, if you have a question, you can just click on the chat option. You can see if you move your mouse around the screen, you'll find the chat option there somewhere. It might be up in the more option. And you can just throw it in there and we'll get it dealt with as soon as we can. Okay, so welcome, Pat. You might give a quick, brief background on yourself, please. Um, hi everybody, um, thanks Colm for the opportunity um, to come on, um, I hope you're all well, um, hard times, um, but look, keep positive and, and that's what I'm trying to do anyway and, and um, you know webinars like this are good, you know they're healthy for people and um, you know it's nice to get the opportunity to come on as I say, like, you know, so um, I suppose for me, I'm um, from Bolivar originally, um, I started out as a GDA five years ago. Um, my area covers from, we'll say, from Rock Chapel over to Aragon. Um, so um, it's a big area. It covers all of Avenue and uh, Duhallow. Um, so that's kind of the area I'm based in. I'm from Budapest originally, you know, and I have had the, I suppose, the good fortune of working with with um, a Cork under 20 All Ireland uh, winning team. Uh, last year, I was with the minor team in 2012, and you know I worked with um, CIT coach CIT this year to win the um, the senior football I learned in the college. And um, you know I've been lucky enough to work with, with a lot of um, you know um, good teams, and and um, you know built up a lot of experience and and along the way. So fortunate enough, really, like, but um, that's the way it felt for me, like you know, and and. Um, you know, and, and look forward to new challenges in the future as well. So I'll be a bit, small bit about me anyway, like, you know, just a kind of an introduction. Thanks for that, Pat. So look, we get straight into it. Um, like I suppose we've, we, as part of our role as GDAs, the benchmarking with the clubs would be, would be a large focus point um, throughout the year. It puts a bit of guidance for anyone who's unfamiliar with it. What it is, we, we basically ask clubs to, to, I suppose, tick a load of boxes um, to, to ensure that they're, they're, they're best practice in a lot of areas um, and we work it through a bronze silver and gold structure and the bronze would kind of start off it will be very much focused on club schooling so um, just the four to four main topics that we'd have that we'd be looking for would be coaching assistance to all the schools in the catchment um, so that's played pretty self-explanatory Pat isn't it yeah I suppose look um, basically what we're going to talk about tonight really is a kind of a pathway and um you know we're, we're, we're schools are a big part of that um nursery and we're going right into adults you know from from a young age so um starting off down at this at this level i suppose yes um school schools are vital um schools are huge right because schools are where the numbers are it's where the kids are like it's where our players are or future players maybe that haven't joined up at all and you know if you can get in there and grab their imagination and and um you know, um, show a good impression that you know you never know maybe what you'll be unearthing in time. You know, um, 
the schools for us, yes, Colm, yeah, we're broke into with, with benchmarking. We have a bronze and a silver and a gold category. And schools is to the forefront on our benchmarking. Like if you're not in your national school based, your club isn't on benchmarking, Cork is not recognised. And um, I know you can rightly so. Um, we only look for, you know, a minimum of coaching sessions really from every club. Now, obviously, you'd look to get as many sessions in as you possibly can in schools, you know. But um, there's a new scheme out now called the Five Star Centre in Cork, and we're working with schools um, where, when we're not there, the teacher um, does GAP um, in our absence. So as when we come back in, the kids are getting extra sessions done until we come back into the school again. So um, I suppose basically what we're looking for is we're looking for um, the club to go away and organise the coaching within the school to create heads of agreement document that um, will be signed off by the, the school principal and the school. And I suppose what that does really is that it binds, you know, it binds voting together. It shows the principal and the teachers what the what the club are going to give to the school and what this, you know, what what they can do for for the PE and for the for the kids and maybe the, you know the club school in later in the year and and stuff like that. Like so, it should it, it's it's just kind of a an, um, a written agreement of yeah, we're going to come in and we're going to help out and we're going to do X, Y, and Z in the school or the school year. And um, that's what benchmarking is for us. If the school doesn't come in and, and sit down and, and work out a plan with the school, with the with, with the principal and with the teachers, you know, um, we, we don't we don't recognise them as a benchmarking club. Yeah, and I suppose just just sorry, Pat, just on a few of those yeah. things here, like the heads of agreement is basically uh, for anyone unfamiliar with it, it's basically a, just I suppose a, a formal line of communication between the club and the school in that there would be that the, the club would offer assistance in these areas, but also that if the school have facilities that might be of use to the, to the club, that there's, there's a discussion on how they might utilize that. So instead if a school had a, had a large indoor hall and the club didn't, then yeah. the club would, would, would be able to use that maybe for nursery on a Saturday yeah. morning and vice versa. The school mm -hmm. would be able to use the club facilities at various times. Yes. And yes. just the, the minimum coaching requirements, then Pat, what, what, what would be the, expect, the expectation from Rebel Oak? Well, I suppose the minimum like we'd be looking for would be four and four, you know, so you do four football sessions and four hurling sessions, um, which are junior infants, senior infants, first and second classes. Now, obviously benchmarking is made out for urban and rural areas, so like we could be, you know, behind in Kish game, or we could be above in the bars, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, the same document covers, you know, the small community and the large area, like in the large club, like you know. So um, the minimum requirement is is um, that they go in and they do four hurling and four football sessions over the, over the, over the school year. Yeah. And, um, you know, there'd be a six and six category then, and an eight and eight category. Now, a lot of clubs are way ahead. A lot of clubs have, like, a full-time coaching, and they're covering most of the year. They're in there, you know, once a week for most of the year. They're covering, um, you know, maybe junior infants and first class for the first four weeks, and then they'll change and they'll go on to another block and another block and so on. You know, but other clubs in wouldn't be as fortunate and would find it hard to get school coaches and and people to go into schools. Like so, um, you know, they'd be drawing off of maybe um, somebody that's working that maybe in shift that could go in and commit to 
four weeks or eight weeks or whatever it would be and it varies like you know I know it's tough like if people go into schools like but it's just so important for the club and that's what we're talking about really here is the club like you know but I know we're in schools like but you know it comes back to the club that the club goes in and you know they provide that service and that that um, they do the PE like for the kids like once a week you know. Yeah, and I suppose like every club that has ever been successful would attribute the the, the work that goes on to the link with the local primary school would yes. be would be would be huge. Um, and I suppose sorry, one thing just to catch up in the end that then um, you were I know you did a couple of projects in urban areas. So like, look, I know Cork while it, while it is a massive county and spread out, there is an awful lot of urban areas. And you did a project specific to Mallow lately. You might just be able to brief us on that as well, but. Yes, I suppose, look, Mallow is a big area um, um, covering, you know, a lot of schools and, um, you know, there's a lot of classes, you know, you might have three to four, um, junior infants and senior infants and first and second classes in each school. So, um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a project we took on over a six-week period where we went in and we just focused on one class which was second class and we did six week coaching now we put a bit of a kicker in we met i, I met with each of the principals and they were delighted with the idea and um where we would come in and we put our time to the classes but the kicker was uh, that when we weren't there the teacher would continue on with what i did on a tuesday or on a wednesday whatever day i was there that she would do it twice more that week or he'd do it twice more that week in the schoolyard during the time so that when i was going back in again then we were doing a different plan and a different schedule and we were building up really towards a big day in the town park in mallow where we brought the bones of 200 kids from second class only in mallow down to take part in the blitz you know and boys and girls and when we brought them down we we split them up then you know into we just mixed up all the schools basically. We didn't have one school playing into the other, and we put a boys section and a girls section into it. So they all had loads of game time, and we introduced some to the pitch and to the area, and got and Denny Quality, who was the chairperson in Mallow, and um, to come down and to um, to meet the kids and to talk with the kids, and you know, in talking to Denny afterwards, like he was. You know, I've been taken aback by some of the talent that was there, you know, because like, look, it was a huge, man, was a huge area, like, and it's very hard to, you know, to, to find and to know every player and every family in every area like that. It's different to a place like Bowling, etc. I'm from where everybody kind of knows everybody or knows of someone anyway, like, that you have a good idea of where, how many eight year olds or nine year olds or six year olds you have and who are, who are they and how many boys and girls are there, you'd know, like, you know, but in the bigger area like Mallow, you wouldn't. And there's a lot of talent out there, like, and a lot of kids, like, in a big area like that, you know, without transport and with everything, you know, would find it hard even to get out to the pitch, you know, to uh-huh. cargo. Great, a great exercise. Teachers are very happy about it because, I suppose, it, it, um, it built up a very good relationship between ourselves and the school and the school principals, number one, and in the class teacher, number two. Um, because we were doing a curriculum for the teacher as well as for the class and um, we were educating the teacher but the big thing was that we were getting the child ready to go down and participate in the blitz and the big one is I suppose 70% of the kids maybe well 60% of the kids maybe didn't, didn't play any J or hadn't played any J going down to the pitch on the day so 
you know, being able to pick the ball up and keep the ball and, and do all that kind of stuff, like, was, was a big thing for them, like, and there was a lot of practice going on at home and things, and, and um, you know, so it was, um, it was a nice project, and it's a project that we're doing at the moment in Kentuck, in Kentuck now as well. We just started it before um, the coronavirus kicked in, um, but we'll be going back to it hopefully again as soon as the school opens, and we'll continue it on for the six weeks again, and we will have the big day out and the end there as well. So it's just something I'm doing in the theatre yeah. towns. Okay. You know, just, you know. and, and just, I suppose, just on the, the minimum game opportunities there, like what, what we, like the subsection of that, is is a version of what you're what you're saying you did in in Mallow, in that we ask clubs um, to host a club school link or a club club link blitz, where they bring all the kids down exactly like you're doing, bring all the kids from a number of age groups down to the club, um, to take part. So um, that kind of blitz can happen anytime throughout the yeah. year, but but we like to see it happening kind of coming into the I suppose around April April May when clubs uh, club action is up and running. And like that, there's kids, it just shows the link between the club and the school and this is where the club is because a lot of kids might never have been up there. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, well, again, no, it's great, like, because, like, you know, again, in the bigger area, you know, the smaller towns, again, no, I'm repeating myself, I know, like, but a lot of kids will be very familiar about the pitch and where the pitch yeah. is and how to get there and all that, you know, but in the bigger areas, it's a big treat for some of the kids, you know, to come down to the pitch and come in and, and for the club to be able to show off what they have and what's available. It's also an opportunity maybe for them, you know, to have a little, you know, give them an alarm then going home or give them a pencil or, or something like that on the day, a little souvenir going home after they take part in it. Like is, it's, it's, it's a club school blitz day where we bring them down from the school into our club, introduce them, to our club and and maybe send them home then with 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 a picture in their mind number one number two is that they would have a fantastic day and they have a good a good experience a good first experience in a lot of cases for kids and i suppose number three maybe that you know if you were ready and organized for it that the club would be able to give them um, a little printout a little handout of you know your times and your schedule for training and what's available and that they could bring home to their parents on after the after the day out, you know. Yeah. So that's what we would like to see happening. Very good. So basically, our schools are built around going in, hitting juniors to second class, and um, over a, maybe an eight week period, a twelve week period, and 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 moving on down to the pitch then for a day out at some stage during the year. Yeah, very good. And I suppose that, that links us in into nursery and like the nursery for, for us is probably fours to sevens, um, maybe fours to sixes in some of the some of the smaller clubs. Um but what it is is that if we're providing um I suppose the, the we're, we're trying to the recruitment in the in the school, that we need to also give the give the the kids that when they come up to the club, there's something actually for them. So having a strong link to the primary school um is very important from a nursery perspective. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with, go on, sorry, Pat. Well, yeah, no, it's very important, really important. You know, I see there that like um, Bishopstown and Blarney, I think, um, took on Fochnell Connor there recently as a school's coach. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it's great because, like, as part of his his deal or his contract, I think he goes in on a Saturday morning into the, into the nursery as well. So the face in the school is in the nursery as well when the child comes in 
and that I think could be a very very important link like from the school into the into the club you know yeah. the schoolyard into the, into the picture into the hall in the club but that familiar face is there linking both yeah and like, as I said it's the classic yeah. example of a child coming up to the pitch with their mother or father and they're able to point out and go, Mammy, Daddy, that's my coach. You know, it just it yeah. has a link straight away and the value of that. Um, the nursery also, the nursery, like providing a fun introduction to GA and best practice fundamental movements. So you might just talk on the fundamental movements and the importance of that. Like, as I said, I know that, that you yourself have put a, a lot of emphasis on it with the smallies. Um, but like for a parent, let's say, who's not aware of it and the benefits of it, and they're coming down the pitch and they're seeing running around and rolling around and that kind of stuff. And no hurley or football in sight. What's the what's the benefit of yeah. the of the fundamentals? Well, why why do we need to? I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Call them like for me, like when I'm coaching kids, like you know, or coaching any group, I, I go back down to their level. Like so, if I'm coaching six year olds, I think like a six year old or an eight year old or whatever, like you know. So the big thing, any child or any player, I think like quite the senior. Like if you're not enjoying what you're doing. And you're not having fun, you're not going to be there. And that's very, very important like, to state that. So that's, you know, being positive and having fun, right, are absolutely key and then most important altogether in a nursery, right? Um, I think also with your nursery, like that your best coaches in your club have to be done at nursery level. Teaching best practice early on is absolutely vital that, you know, a child doesn't start off on the wrong footing. And has to turn around and maybe change, change their habits and change their ways a year or two down the line. So things like that are very important. And um, the other very important thing I'm saying, and this is all kind of serious stuff now, but it's important to say it because it's structure. Is that I'd always give a very good example. I'd always build my model around the school, and anything I do in clubs, I think that what I would say to my coaches anywhere I go is that a child in first class does first class maths. They don't do sixth class maths. But we bring them into pitches and we bring them into halls and we expect them to be able to do sixth class stuff when they're in first class, if you understand what I mean. So having a curriculum, you know, for a child and having a pathway for a child is absolutely vital. In my, in my eyes, and that goes right the way through to youth and not into adults. So like in the nursery, I know we're, we're kind of drifting a little bit from it, but coming back to the nursery, fundamental movements, fun games, you know, games like cups and saucers, um, you know, using the ball, um, running, jumping, throwing, you know, pa passing, catching, kicking, you know, um, all that incorporated around fun is absolutely vital for me and you know the quicker you can do it having a ball in your hand even the better you could be doing little runs and you know rolly overs or whatever but you could still have a ball in your hand you could still have a hurley or or something in your hand that would just occupy your hands as well as you know so basically like in a nursery quicker you can go to using head hands and feet for me is vital because when a child uses head hands and feet you know, your, your your problems as a coach are had in that, you know, you have their undivided attention. They're attentive, you know, they're listening because they don't want to get it wrong. They're being challenged because they're being asked to use head, hands and feet. So, you know, you get them working in, in a way like that, 
the, the challenges and you know and by doing by, and doing that and by having fun is absolutely key yeah so, very good right we move on to the silver then which is um the bronze covered mainly primary schools and the silver covers the childcare. so we've reached a small brush a small bit on it with the nursery but mm-hmm. um the, the kind of four main things we're looking for here then uh, child player coaching plan for 5 to 12 year olds we're looking for a minimum games requirement uh, midterm camps, coach education opportunities so we'll touch on that there at the next one but child coach, play, uh, player coaching plan for 5 to 12 year olds what, what, like, what are we expecting of that or what, what should clubs be aspiring to yeah we'll call them like you know we kind of mentioned them, but like the first class stuff for the first class boy you know or the first class girl whatever the case may be um, the same applies here like you know when the child when the child is is going down at six years of age, they do six years of age stuff. Like they don't do ten years of age stuff, you know. Yeah. So you, you you take it step by step. You know, like the ideal scenario for me would be a nursery would be fundamental movements and a lot of skill based stuff done in the nursery, right? That they learn their skills, they learn it through like doing static, uh, through movement. And through head, hands, and feet challenges, you know, so they develop, you know, along along that direction. But first of all, obviously, static first when they're learning something, and then move on to the next level and move on to the next level again. So having a co- or having a coaching plan for your coach is absolutely vital. So your coaching officer basically will, with the aid of a GDA or whatever, will have a coaching plan for your six-year-olds or your eight-year-olds. And they'll have that out with their with their coaches and and give it to them. And what it does really is it like a good coaching plan is probably a page or two pages at most. Mm-hmm. And you have a bullet point down there that says maybe you know um, stopping a moving ball, dribbling, or whatever the case may be, right? But what you want with a good coaching plan is a coach to go away and develop that plan himself. What all you're giving him is the bullet points or her. You're giving her the bullet points to hit over the course of the year. It's up to them then to use their mind. I hate to be telling a coach and giving him a document that would have 40 pages in it and be saying, go away there now, look, everything is done for you. You know, I'd give him the bullet points and I'd say, go away now and use your own mind and come up with a plan and come up with something that that works around, in and around what we want you to do there for the year. So there might be three skills maybe three to four skills a year for a six-year-old and three to four skills a year for an eight-year-old and so on. Yeah. And, you know, and they develop it over the course of the year. And then next year, then the coach, a different coach might get. And like, I suppose the great example is, you know, a six-year-old teach him how to use a hurley properly, hold a hurley properly. I mean, if you can do that at six and hand them over then to under sevens and leave the under seven coach get them, and now they're holding the hurley properly and they're swinging the hurley properly. Look what can be done now, like in the next year. That's yep. the, the importance of having a good coach and have a good club plan, you know, in your nursery. Yeah, and I suppose the thing with the club plan is that it, it's uh, it's something that's designed by all the coaches in the club, um, as opposed to you. Like you mentioned, here's the plan, that's that's it. Um, by every coach having an input into it is important. So, as I said, and it's probably something that needs to be reviewed regularly. So, as I said, if the under 10s are gone through the year and the under 10 coach feels that maybe that shouldn't be in that year, it should be a year earlier or a year later, 
then they can discuss that and they can alter it. But it's very important. Uh, minimum games requirements, then, Pat, I know we, we kind of, um, at Goal Games, we kind of expect, we, we plan um, 10 hurling matches and 10 football matches a year as a minimum. Um, a lot of people would say that the kids need more trainings. A lot would say that they need more matches. We kind of settled at 10, and we had imagined that if, they, if that's 20 weeks of the year where they're playing a match, they're probably training for about 30 to 35. They might be doing two sessions a week. If you're getting one training or two trainings for every one match, we think that's, um, that's a decent ratio. Um, but would you want any other thoughts on, on that, Pat, or the importance? Why, why should we play so many games? Um, look, I suppose, Cullum, putting on my child hat again, or putting on my, 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 my player's hat, you know, um, every player or every child that signs up wants to play games you know, at the end of the day, and, and that's all we want to do. Like, um, so, you know, I, I believe like that, you know, a good coach will be able to coach through the games, you know, and um, be able to do things and how you deal with the kids and how you're able to talk to your, your, your players and things like that. Like, for me, the more, the more games that you play, the better it is, you know. And even like if you're not very confident as a coach, you know, you know that's even more important again than like more matches. You know, that you just leave them off and you play, you know, because you're not, you're not, um, you're not giving really an awful lot of bad habits into them. You just leave them off, like, and you can find their level. And once you're able to spot the bits that are going wrong when the game is on, and be able to talk to them maybe through it, mm-hmm. and be able to clarify at half time or be able. I personally would love to see a kind of a mere bonus with, with blitzes and, and with, with, with things where you'd have a coach that would stop roaring into the child. Yeah. Instead of roaring in and being lazy on the line, is what I call that a lazy coach, that they'd actually run into the child and have a little chat and just explain what they want and run back out again. And I'm talking like about 20 seconds tops inside with the child and out. Give it, filter your information fast and get out and leave them off and leave them play again. Just try to get your message across that way, you know. Yeah, and, and I suppose just from me, like yeah, and just in our perspective, then I suppose from organising the games, like our thinking has been like if you were like when there was no structure for for under twelve, let's say for under tens and under eights, under nines, um, like the the big clubs. The attractive clubs get invited to loads of blitzes. So you might have a child, you might have, let's say, just used Douglas for argument's sake, Douglas will get invited to a blitz down in Dr. Crooks. They'll get invited to a hurling blitz in Dallas Allen Waterford, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the smaller clubs mightn't be that attractive to those blitz, to the to those other clubs to be at, inviting. And we, yeah. what we'd like is that every club gets an equal chance to play a minimum number of games. So as I said, be it the child and killer, we'll get the same child opportunities to child and Douglas. Mm-hmm. So that when they do get the development squads later on the line or try to play for Cork or whatever, that they're after getting a fair chance to be on equal footing. Because yeah. we do, like you'd see it, I mean, we're all conscious of some coaches and some teams that if a team isn't good, the coach mightn't be as motivated and then the coach mightn't go about organising the matches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They might give a walk over here or there. So it's important that, that there's a minimum set standard for every player. Um, no, just will call him like you know from from a child's point of view like even for uh, from a small rural area like you know if Douglas are at the blitz above in Parky Heath or the Bears or Nemo or any of these big clubs like in Cork you know that that like if a team like Bolton goes up or you know a small club it's fantastic like to get drawn against Douglas and against these clubs and give our kids a chance to you know because 
was going to come in with like six or eight or ten teams and we're probably coming up with one or two teams and yeah. so like it's very even it's well evened off great to get the opportunity of playing these clubs and getting involved in that and the months that like and party teeth of that and and calling yourself like when you organize the bits it's like you know it's it's fantastic like for the kids to be able to to play all these different clubs you know yeah yeah and it is true like as i said what you mentioned like about playing for small clubs or for the clubs in the countryside to play the big city clubs yeah. like there, there's still an aura like if you're playing in rovers you're playing against Hoggy's team. That's the way kids look at it. They look at it, they're playing Hoggy. They're, they're essentially playing Hoggy's team, even though Hoggy's nothing to do with that age group um, or anything possibly. But, you know, for kids, that's how they see it. So it is important to try to get those games played. Um, midterm camps then, Pat, like I know we're talking preliminary, primarily uh, Easter camps, which all fell by the wayside. Mm, yeah. We did ourselves. And the Halloween camps. Uh, what's the what's the reason for having them in there? Um, would be your, what would be your thoughts on that? Is it just to keep them active a little bit longer at the, at the end of the year or start of the year or what? You know, Colm, like what I said to my clubs a lot, like about camps. You know, like people people have an idea about camps, like that. that oh yeah, yeah. Look, it's something ticking a box, and you know, the cool camp down, and we just do it, and and like I think of cool camps, and I think of. Halloween camps and Easter camps, totally different. Now, when I was younger, maybe, and a younger coach starting out, I was thinking like everybody else. But for me, no, like, if you can get, you know, a group of players in for three days, you know, into a coaching environment, you know, for two hours a day or three hours a day, for three consecutive days in a row, or in a cool camp for four hours or five hours a day, over five days, you know, I'd always explain it like it's like the cartoon going to the manga. You know, they're going over there to train in hot weather. They're training three sessions a day. You know, they're putting in that extra mile. And like, if we can use these camps the same way, you know, to teach. And I'd always say to my coaches, especially my young coaches and things like that, like you can make the difference. Like if you can send a child away from the camp with a new idea or teach them how to do something that they weren't able to train in, on a Tuesday night because there was sound there that it was too busy and the coach wasn't able to get around to everybody. But if you're just able to get that penny to drop and teach them that extra little bit, these camps are absolutely massive for that. If they're structured properly, if they're organized, if there's a template going on for the coach, we want you to work on this and this for the first hour, we want you to work on this and this for the second hour. That it's structured, you're able to take your time, it's skill-based, going into the game situation to work off the skill that you were doing in the drill previous. Mm. That kind of a structure would be huge for me. So for in Easter, Halloween camp, absolutely vital. Yeah, and they're great, look, I suppose they're a great advertisement for clubs as well, um, because I know there is some parents who mightn't be bringing the kids up to the club weekly, but they might avail of that, and it's a good advertisement to show them this is what we do and this is how fun and enjoyable it is. Um, last one is coach education opportunities. I'm going to slide on to the next one because it links with the child player and the youth player and a small bit of what we're doing today. Um, but like it's uh, coach education is a huge, huge part. I suppose look, that's that's what we're doing at the moment is educating coaches. Yeah. We're probably we're probably in the club planning workshop actually at the moment. Tonight's one is probably the benchmarking um, is covering a small bit. But um, you might just go through there the, the various workshops that, that you were offering to, to your own coaches yeah. up in the north region. So you might start with the child workshops there at the top. Yeah. 
I suppose, yeah, look, the, the, the workshops are here, like they're playing to see this is what I offer to the clubs and what, you know, all the GDAs are offering in all areas. You know, we do the club planning workshop um, where we come in and do like we're talking about here at the moment. And, um, you know, you build a club plan and you hit your benchmarking targets and then basically you're putting a structure, a spine in your club, right? And then you go from there into your practical workshops. So your child workshops would, would work on with, with um, nursery. You have a nursery workshop from four to sevens and you have another workshop then with seven, seven to twelves, more skill-based workshops that I would do. So basically I'd, I'd um, get onto the clubs and you know go in and do these workshops for the coaches. Um, find that they're a great tool. Um, a lot of my workshops I do by asking questions rather than going in doing. I suppose when I started to do them first, I was going in and I was just rolling over a template and flying through it and that was it and I was done. Now I kind of go in and I ask questions and I put people into groups and put them talking and then they come out and they do a skill or whatever and then I come in and kick in and probably do 101 things before I leave. But, you know, there's great learning in them, you know, and basically what workshops are like is they're a tool really um, for your coach they're there to facilitate your coach to kind of open their minds a little bit and I learn off all the most workshops from coaches maybe more than what the coach would learn from you when I'm inside even but um, they're a great tool and a great help to the coach afterwards like when they go back out you know so it's just a good support really and um, a guide really yeah. for, um, for your club coach and right? I suppose like we're, we're not looking for universal agreement on anything when we go in there but I suppose like the thing is, is we're not looking to fight with everybody, but we're not looking for everyone to go, Jesus, yeah, you're right. That's how it should be done. I suppose yeah. what we're looking to do, as you said, is open their minds, just challenge, challenge them on a different way of thinking. And yeah. is that it's like everything, you did, process as much information as you can and make up your own, your own path in out of it. Um, yeah. So the, the, the child workshops, um, the youth workshops, the club planning workshops, they're kind of the, the main tools. Yeah, your youth workshops in column, like or you know, like it says there on the on the thing, like you know, your, your physical um, physical development, um, your warm ups. James McCarthy there did a good warm up. Yeah. In, in Nemo a couple of weeks ago um, with the ball, you know, where he's working with the ball constantly, like, um, you know, game based training, and communication with players, skill development. I suppose look. We're talking about the club again. I keep going back to the club because this is what it's all about, Colin, really. Like, isn't it the club? Like, you know, the structure. Like, for me, if you have a very good nursery, you know, and a good setup in your nursery, and you get them up to a certain skill level, that when they come into, like, 13 years of age, you change your style, really. A lot of your training should nearly go game-based. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that you stop training or stop coaching skills? Then I get that question a lot. You know, and I'm saying that, of course it isn't. Like, you know, you're doing your skills through the games. You might start the ball back with the cornerback and say, right, we're going to start the game from here today. You know, do little yeah. scenarios and do little little set plays and, you know, play a lot of game, game-based game training stuff. And what I would do, like, is when I do it, like, you have to train your eye, really, like, from 13 up like that. You know, when the game is on, if you're not seeing sufficient amount of lockdowns or hooks or... You know, um, if you're not seeing enough of the kicking or striking off your weak side or whatever you want to be looking for, you know, that you'd stop it, you'd bring them in and you'd have a chat and you'd, you'd, you'd express what's going on in your head. Like, 
and he'd say, look, I'm not happy about this. No, I'm very happy with this area. I'm going to knock happy with this section and set them back all again. And then if you feel that when they go out again for the next five minutes and the game is going on again, and it's still not happening. So your decision to make, no, like you're analyzing, you're making decisions while it's going on. And the decisions you're going to make are, like, am I happy with the size of the pitch? Just because they're not blocking down, is there too much speed? Do I need to narrow it down? Or would I want to do a drill? And like, if you want to do a drill, then and do a blocking drill or do whatever. If you feel that you need to do a drill, well, then the drill comes in and you do the drill, but go back into the game again. So 13 up, I think that if you have a very good nursery and they are very competent in their skills and they're, they're after learning an awful lot, you know, through a good structure in your nursery coming through into your, into your um, tw- once 12, from 13 on, you could nearly start your game-based training once you'd have a trained eye and there keeping on the skills and make sure that you're happy about what's happening on the pitch. Can I explain it, Colin? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I suppose, look, it, it's not black or white game-based coaching versus drill-based. It's finding the grey in the middle to suit yeah. your group and their skill set. Um, mm-hmm. And just the last one, you might just touch on, Pat, is the club planning workshops then uh, for them there? The which column? The club planning workshops. So you'd have the club coaching structures. Yeah, we kind of went through that at the beginning there. Uh, the club planning workshop is what we were kind of talking about. Well, yeah. really, but that's going in really and sitting down with the coaching officer and maybe the coaching committee, the chairperson. I'd always like, I'd nearly always insist in having the adult club chairperson and the juvenile club chairperson or secretary present at those meetings. I think it's very, very important that, you know, clubs are linked together. You know, we'll say like my own club now in Budapest, like, you know, that the, the adult club and the juvenile club, like, would be both having input into the juvenile players. And we would want understanding what's going on within the club as well. You know, because at the end of the day, it's coming from, from the club, like, and it's it should be the... So the, the adult section of the club needs to know what's going on down low as well. Yeah. So I nearly always insist on the, on, the, on the executive of the adult club coming into that club planning meeting. And meeting the club, the club coaching officer, understanding about what's happening in the plan, you know, that when they go into the adult section, they're able to explain to their own meeting about what, what's happening down low and making people aware of, of the work that's going on and, and stuff like that. Having your coaching committee going through the benchmarking, explaining all the different points of the benchmarking. That's your spine, like, that's, your, that's, that's what's, what's going to make your club over time, is that bench, benchmarking um, document. You know, and try to challenge the club to get up as high into that benchmarking as possible. You know, people start off in bronze and then they go into silver and, and hopefully, you know, a lot of them will be in gold and get into the gold section, which means that when they are in gold, you'll be quite happy that the club is going well like, and that they're ticking all the boxes that you need them to tick, you know. So that's what that's about. That's what that club planning workshop really is the first one of the year. Yeah. Normally around January, February time, you know, I did a lot of them before the lockdown came. And um, you know, this time of year, now you're going to your child and your youth workshops, then you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose Pat, with with the club planning workshop as well, like the 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 child and youth coaches are our workshops are primarily a coaches, but there's there's people within the club who mightn't be coaching, who have a unique skill set that they might be able to help out being on the coaching committee, or drafting the club coaching plan, or being part of the benchmarking, like utilizing the I suppose the full aura of of personnel, be it, a, yeah. be it a parent who never played GA before, or might, might even be from Ireland, but they might be able to give something back in one of those areas as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I suppose, look, it's important like that even when you're working with players up along and, and you know, you're know you a very good player, you're elite, and you're a middle-of-the-road player, and then you're a very average player, and then you'd have 
maybe Led Zeppelin, I'd call him like this when you when you give him the the hurley, he'd start playing the guitar on it, like you know, yeah. shooting crows with it, you know, you would have him as well. But he might be absolutely, you know, the most important guy you would have in time. And you know, a lot of coaches could fall into the the grey area of maybe upsetting that player or not playing that player or not involving, I suppose, that player would be the proper word, you know. And that could be the guy that would, would, would lead and spearhead your club in a couple of years' time, you know, who could run your club or finance your club or so like everybody is very valuable and can and we should find everyone along the way and anybody that wants to join and anybody wants to take part should be given the games and given the time and um, you know, to educate them along and and, and mould them into eventually like when they come from the child and into the youth they start moulding themselves, they start steering into a direction themselves. Some of these people will straight away start getting involved in youth or into the into the cool camps and the Halloween camps and mm -hmm. they're already then on their pathway maybe towards running it over that stage. They're steering off that way into that direction, you know. Yeah. And then um, other players or the ones they will go on and play with Cork and and you know that's that's just the way but it's important that we, you know, size everybody up personality wise and everything and we be very careful that we don't lose anybody along the way. Yeah, very good. Um, and the last one, then Pat, so we're up to gold standard in, um, would be would be the youth player. So gold for us, what we're talking about, youth players, 13 to 18 within the club. Usually we'd find that clubs are very um, competent and they're very holistic based, um, from one to 12 down, where it's non-competitive. But once we start getting into the competitive side of things in, where there's failures and championships and counties mm -hmm. and whatnot, um, Clubs might lose their their I suppose sense of direction a small bit, or something what stood them very well in the early years might might go a little bit. So the four things we we have there, four main things are youth player coaching plan, uh, minimum games requirements, coach education opportunities, which you've just talked about, and physical development yeah. opportunities. You might just start there on the physical development opportunities. What what are we um, looking for in that in that regard? Pat? I suppose the physical development area like would be you know that the club would run. You know a physical development program and um, dr wesley o'brien made out one there for me a couple of years ago well for all the gds and cock but i use it a lot and i send it into clubs a lot you know and they use it there from we say christmas january february on in halls and and areas really it's 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 an injury prevention um kind of a, a, a workshop that you would um you'd go coaching physical development every week, uh, once a week, you might branch off into some kind of a fun game at the end when it's over. It's a short 40 minute, maybe 45 minute session in a hall and um, over a six or an eight or a 10 week period. Um, on downtime really, like like yeah. obviously strength conditioning is a big area and you know, I think he's doing a webinar on Friday night like and he's right. he, he talking about stuff like that. But, um, it's something that should be done all the time, all year. Like it's, it's, uh, I suppose, I suppose what we're, why we're asking for this is that it's replicating what's happening with development squads in the winter yes. time. Yes, um, and you would have, you would have had the north um, region would have been all been based out of Mallow, and yeah. and I suppose you would have had that open all the time to pass to, to coaches, club coaches could come in and watch you. Is that is that fair to fair to say? Sorry, Colum, I didn't get could, that. Could the club coaches, when you're doing that on a Friday night in Mallow, the, like a club coach yeah. could come in, see it in action, and then replicate it the following week yeah. with his own group in the club? We encourage all coaches, we invite all coaches into our, into our development squad sessions, um, be it the practical sessions or the, the physical development sessions. 
is very important like they're, to, you know, to get it out there and to know that they're welcome to come in. And you know, given the opportunity to talk to our coaches and our qualified um, strength conditioning coaches and ask the questions and, and you know, find, you know, see them, see it happening and see it running and, and you know, and be able to share it with them is great. And then, you know, they go back to their clubs maybe then with more of an open mind and saying, yeah, look, this is very good and what we, this is where we want to go and this is the future of what we want to do in our club. And have a look at the long-term, um, you know, plan within their club and not to be able to see what's right in front of their eyes, but what's able to see, you know, in three and four and five and maybe 10 years' time even as a player, you know. So we need to be looking. So, yeah, Colin, we'd make it very open to everyone to come into our sessions. Yeah, and I suppose just uh, you, you alluded to there, Ed McConnell will be meeting with uh, development squad parents this Friday night, and we'll hope to video that information, and we'll hope to get that information out to, to all the masses, because I know, in fairness, a lot of counties now are very proactive with, with like Sweden. We have in Cork, we're very fortunate, um, where they're sharing that information for kids that now when there's no pitches and they have to do, they might only be doing stuff in their own. No, it's a great opportunity to put in that injury prevention stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the youth player coaching plan then, I suppose, Pat, like the, how that would differ from the child plan, I'd imagine would be the child plan was very technical based. You spoke yeah. about what skills we should be doing and what you, mm. what, what, what are we looking for then with the youth um, player coaching plan? What, what are we expecting out of that? Um, I suppose, look, you're going from 13 up, like it's a different plan. Um, you know, you're going into more game-based training, like we spoke about a while ago. You know, it's just a different area. Um, you're going into like, you know, um, two v twos, three v threes, maybe six v trees, or whatever the case may be, and training and challenging, and you know, and putting players under pressure. And um, I think, like with you players, you know, every one of them should have a ball. You know, well, every player from every age up, really, like, but you players in particular, like, should be having, a, you know, a ball each out. You know, when they're doing these shooting drills and doing these, you know, fancy drills that you see, like, I think it's very, very important that somebody's running alongside them. We don't just leave somebody run from A to B and kick the ball over from C or strike the ball over from C on a pause because that never happens in a game situation. So you'd you'd always pair up mine in twos or trees and give one the ball and and you know go at match pace and maybe challenge that maybe the tackler can tackle but is there and develop into a situation then where there is a tackle involved, you know, that they're putting the player under pressure, kicking the ball. So that's just a little scenario. Like obviously you're not going to do that in a nursery, you know, because like yeah. when you challenge a nursery you're going to see mistakes when you see things on quicker and faster and all these words like they're all kept out of the nursery but they're more used in the youth intensity quicker under pressure all these kind of words so like all the words you develop into your coaching plan at youth level yeah and i suppose like beyond that then as well you'd also like as well as the tactical you you'd tactical and team play would be a large part of it as yeah. well as the physical, which we've already alluded to. And also yeah. the, the psychosocial thing is becoming much more important. Um, mm. And you'd see it, like, I know it's part of the, the talks within the, within the, with Aidan O'Connell, that they're very conscious of that. Um, and that, that we're building, we're helping children or, or young, young, young adults, or young children, well, all children, young adults, develop um, their off-the-field skills and they're learning about empathy and team play and dealing with setbacks. And they're learning about that stuff as well. So it's important that, that, that you're conscious of that um, for the coaching plan, that it's not just yeah. in between the white lines. There's a lot more to it, so as I said, from a tactical team. Yeah. yeah, so it's very important in that. Yeah. Um, 
Last one, Pat, is the minimum games requirements. Again, I, I'm not exactly sure the numbers. I know we expected more. I think we were up 12, or is it still 10 or 12 games in hurling and 12 in football um, per code? Um, yeah, we were looking at the moment, like on the, on the plan to read out for 2020, like it's 20 games, like under 14, that's 10 football, a minimum of 10 football and 10 hurling games, 20 under 16 and 20 minor games, yeah. 10 and 10. And, you know, they may include challenge matches or tournaments or blitzes or whatever they've been invited into, you know. But again, no, that for me, like, would be a minimum, like, yeah. of 10 matches. Like, when you think like that, if you're under 14 football team are going out for the year and they're only going to play 10 matches in the whole year, I think, the, and I'd say only, like, in brackets there, I think, like, you know, they should be playing that more games in 10, yeah. you know. For me, like, you know, but that's just me, you know, as a coach, like, I'd like to see them play more games than that, you know. And so I think like this, you know, the more challenges and the more games you play with kids and with youth players, the better it is for them, you know? Yeah, and I suppose we touched on that last week with Paddy O'Brien, um, in that kids at 13, 14, they're probably cycling to the pitch or walking up to the pitch themselves. Mammy or daddy aren't chopping them up anymore. So if they're not enjoying it, they're not going to keep coming back. And one thing you'd be sure they enjoy it is matches. They they. The last thing they want to do is go three weeks without a match. They want regular matches. And while some coaches might feel that's detrimental to the team's improvements, they're probably a bit ill-founded with that thinking. Um, so we're on to that space. Yeah, Pat, just want to say thanks for that so far. If anyone has any questions, you can fire them into the chat. I know we got one there from... Um, oh, we got two. We got one from Paul. Uh, county player for a three-day camp, does that county player need to be vetted and safeguarded? Yes, is the answer, Paul. Any coach that is coaching on a cool camp or an Easter camp, they need to be vetted, they need to be guarded, vetting done, and they need to foundation course done as a minimum. Um, but you can, I'm sure, Shane, Shane Supple, whoever's organising the camps will have that information from Shane Supple already. But it, it, look, it's very important that if, God, if, God forbid, if anything did happen and the, the county the player or the person, be it not a county player, even just a random person, um, doesn't have those things done, they're, they're leaving themselves open as well as the club. So uh, that's very important. And that would, as I said, Shane Supple will be, I suppose, passing all that information on to the coordinators of the camps as we're speaking anyway. Um, Jory, what age groups would you target with the physical development program, Pat? I suppose you'd be looking at um, physical development from, you know, under 14 or really like, yeah. And I suppose like it would be it would be tailored that there be the the thirteen year olds who might be starting. Let's say they might be doing slightly different stuff from maybe more running, maybe more dynamic running, and you know that kind of stuff. Like you know, but but body weight and like for, you know a lot of body weight stuff for you. Yeah, like it'd be mainly body weight and agility yeah. and stuff like that, and movements, um, functional movement. But Jerry, what we're doing, as I said, we're meeting with Aidan O'Connell is on this Friday night, um, just a private one. So hopefully, I'll see if I can get that recorded. Um, and what yeah. we can get that information shared. But I know that um, if you check if you check online at the moment, there's loads of stuff. There's I know there's one uh, GDA in Sligo. Can't think of her name uh, off the top of my head, but if you check the Sligo GA um, Twitter page, she's sharing some fantastic resources every day, a couple of exercises to do, um, just body movements, as I said, crawling, um, jumps and stuff like that. Very simple. Um, mm. And as I said, not about building up big muscles, but just making them better movers so that they're competent uh, yeah. movers, which will lead to less injuries. Um, but as I said, I'll try to get the information from Aidan shared if we can. Um, we'll just see what, what clarity on that. Um, midterm camps should the camp program be developed with coaches of the age groups for better targeting of skills to improve on? 
Um, what are your thoughts on that, Pat? Yeah, I, I, at the moment, there are no, I, I've been working on a plan myself for camps, you know. Um, I actually have a new plan made out for a week for a cool camp, really, mm-hmm. um, where every day specific skills are worked on. And, you know, leading into, into, um, leading into a game, you know, working off of the skill that I'm working on okay. in the morning or whatever, like, you know, but to be very specific, like, but it would be, it would be um, a structure for the week, really, for your coaches that they're not going out doing, you know, all around the garden or ring a ring a rosy every day or water fights or whatever it is, yeah. like, that they're actually doing constructive stuff. You know, um, and it's fun as well. It's very, very good. You know, so I'd be hoping to get that out. I sent it on to the games manager, Kevin McAllen, the other day. So I'm hoping that you know he's reviewing it, and maybe we might get it looked at and get it published, maybe to, as resource to clubs. Yeah, structure for camps going forward. You know. Yeah, and I guess suppose just my own thoughts on that. While the camps, um, I suppose it would depend on the length of the day. Like if midterm camps, I know some midterm camps do shorter days, but for the cool camps. Because you just have to be conscious. Kids are out there for four and a half hours. If they're doing four and a half hours of actual skill development through, through let's say exercises that you do in a training session, they can be yeah. one. The intensity will fall down very quickly. They'll be very tired. The quality will fall down subsequently. And and secondly, it's just be conscious of the, the balance that, like even as as you mentioned there, Pat, doing doing a bit of the exercise and then playing a game or yeah. having some sort of a thing. So I'd say half and half. I'd say half the, the content should be, let's say, specific, but talk to the coaches um, and help them out. As I said, you have to remember a lot of kids as well, if they're going to be there for three or four hours in a day, the last thing they want to be doing is three or four hours of high-intensity um, skill development. They might just want the game a penalty shootout, which I'm not saying you do three hours or four hours of penalty shootouts, but you might just have to do 20 minutes of a penalty shootout just so everybody can relax, get a mm. bit of fresh air, and yeah. get a bit of air back in the lungs, and then re-go. But it's definitely something to talk about, as a, whoever the camp coordinator is. Um, yeah. It's definitely something to help out there, because like as Pat is saying, if you can give a plan for the week of even 60% of the content, and then it's at the coach's discretion, the other 40%, I think that would be very positive um, from a club, and especially specific to the age groups, because you know a lot of these coaches that are working on the camps could be 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, um, they mightn't have any experience of actually coaching that age group and they mightn't, what they're probably doing is doing the same stuff they were doing in training themselves. So as I said, I'd bring it down and uh, liaise with the coach, the coordinator on that. Uh, next one, how long should a warm-up take for an under-12 team and what kind of drills would be good? So I'll start with the warm-up. Pat, how long should an under-12 team warm-up for? Um, I'd say a warm-up, sorry, the only one. A warm-up, I suppose, look, um, eight, ten minutes, you know, of maybe twelve minutes, you know, of of um, fun stuff maybe to start, and um, you know, using the ball, you know, a good bit, and bringing lots of movement, lots of left and right hands, left and right feet, you know, lots of just variations, um, but again, like keep it fun. I think warm ups are absolutely vital for any coach because um, being organised. And being there that extra couple of minutes and having it set up, and the warm up really sets the tone for your session. After you know, if the warm up is good and it's fun and dynamic and it's well, then I think you know the rest of your session falls into place behind it. You know, so by having a good, fun, intensive start to your day means that you'll have a good day. But if you start off on the wrong footing and you're late in and you're chasing your tail a bit, and that you lose that 
part of your session, we think that you know your session can kind of fall down a bit then, you know. So yeah, yeah, and look, uh, yeah, similar. Look, as I said, uh, Sean, what I advise if you can um, go back through our um, the last few weeks with, with James McCarthy on to talk about warm ups. I suppose more for an older or two older groups, but it, it's definitely something that can be brought in is trying to maximize the ball contacts and max, maximize the movements um, as early as possible um, so that it shouldn't take 20 minutes. But I said, yeah. if you can get it done in sort of I suppose seven, seven to twelve minutes is usually an ideal number mm. if you can get it done in that time. Uh, what kind of drills would be good? I'm presuming you're just asking specific to a warm up, like Pat, like as I said, many ball contacts. I know, like James, just what James spoke about was a lot of um, short kicking, going into longer kicking, um, a lot yeah. of hand passing, working on two ball stuff, picking up, just just going through a couple of basic exercises. Mm. Um, in a group setting, anything else specific or what you'd do or you know, like, have you done? I'd always say, like, don't give too much information in training. Like. So limit your information, you know, limit your, your, your coaching. So, like, if you're working on kicking, then work on kicking and work right through your session on kicking, you know. And, you know, you develop your, 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 your session through various distances, you know, targets, um, kicking the ball into space, maybe whatever, but work on kicking for the hour or whatever to be that you'll be there, you know, and finish with a kicking game in the end. So, like I'd always say as a parent, I suppose I learned this, like you know, when your child goes home and you're at home and you're saying, "How did you get on? Great!" and what was it all about tonight? We were kicking, and well, what do you mean by that? Well, we played lots of games and we were kicking ball over and back and so the child has a very very clear picture in their mind about what they actually learned tonight I feel that when I was a younger coach and I was coaching I was going in and out of blocking and kicking and hooking and striking and everything and anything like I could have the whole pitch full of corns like but like I'd be embarrassed to say it like but like there is no learning in that so limit your information and training work on specific skill on the night and carry it through into your game situation so your warm-up is 12 minutes your drills for your whatever you're doing if it's not game based you work on that kicking drill or that striking drill or whatever you're doing and you develop it into the game situation in the end and you give rewards for you know the times that they do that skill well maybe give them an extra score for it or whatever the case may be if it's a high catch over your head and they go up and they pull it down from over their head and uh, you're going to say right well that's a score for him you know, give targets. So I'd say, like, limit your information, be specific, and send the child home with a message. And always use the parent in, like, I would be always fearful of that. Like, when the child goes home, what, what are they going to say to man or dad when they go home? Because you should be worried about that as a coach. Like, you should be thinking about things like that because that helps you. That helps you to, to get your message across on the pitch to the child. Like, what did I learn today? What yeah. went on in training? Yeah, and I suppose the last thing, Sean, and that would be um, lots of, of movement. As I said, I, I, I hate seeing tree facing tree kick the ball yeah. up, run to the back of that lane, make it make it as, as game like as possible. Especially if you're going to play matches that you're not you're not standing straight lines uncontested. You're actually doing somebody a three on one or two on one piggy in the middle where they have to do a high catch or they have to do a low hand yeah. pass or something like that. Um, I do in sort of those those little games where they might get lots of ball contacts in a short space. Um, next one, will benchmarking be taking place this year with current restrictions? We had this discussion, was it like two weeks ago, yeah. Pat, I think, um, and what we're, we, we yeah, hope to hold, it, yeah. yeah, we hope to hold some sort of a form of benchmarking. We've modified it, we've modified it down, you know, we've changed.
it's around the modified down, but again, like that, we're only waiting to see what's going to happen ourselves. We are ready to go with it, you know, and obviously we've made it very achievable for clubs in the climate that we're in and in the time frame that they might be in in the end. And we might we may have to modify it or reduce it down again, but I think it's important that we do it. The benchmark isn't about the GBA, it's not about Cork, it's not about anything, it's about your club. Yeah. It's about your club player, it's about your club and your structure in your club, and that in turn then comes into Cork and into everybody else up the ladder, you know. But it's about you, really. Benchmarking is about you. And um, so, yes, we have it modified, we have it ready to go. It's only just maybe to see when we're going to go with it, and if we have to adjust it more, we will. Yeah, so just as on that clubs can be proactive there is a number of things that we do ask clubs to do as part of the benchmarking be it a child club plan youth club plan physical development plan um workshops for coaches these are all things that can still happen via webinars or via via other things um so it's important to try to have a look at it from have a look at last year's one think of the things that are in it that you can actually still do i know you can't play matches um but there's a lot of other things that can be done and i'd advise get that done we will be modifying I suppose the things Pat what we will be modifying is number of games played and stuff like that. But as I said, the rest of the stuff is still beyond is under mm. control there. Um I think that's it, Pat. I don't think we have any other questions at the moment. So look, we're nearly an hour in the go. Um as I said, thanks to everyone for joining us. I'll put this up and we'll make a podcast out of it and we'll throw it up on YouTube. And if anyone has any any questions, um you can fire them at Pat or myself or both. You should book other details on the rebelocoaching.com website as well as on Twitter. Um so if you've any anything else other than that, you can get to get us there. Um oh sorry, last one from Sean or what do you think of the silent sideline? Is it something that might might be work. Um, what do you think of silent sideline is something could come in and cock. We yeah. trialed it at under eight last year. Um we we didn't do it beyond that. I I think we felt there was I suppose there was a mixed there's while well, the benefits of it of the coaches and the parents not shouting and roaring the kids, we felt it was also very dead at the blitz. Um but but as I said there there's value to it. But I think educating the parents and the coaches would be would be something that we'd find more important. So Pat alluded to it earlier on that rather than shouting at it from the sideline, you actually go in and have the quick chat with the kid um to, to discuss it. Would that be right, Pat? Your own thoughts on it? Yeah, we you know, we, we, we touched on it quite a while ago. You know, I think it's vital. Um there was a bit of a, a, a bit of confusion about it. Like I was in Danville and you hear a pain you hear a pain drop in the pitch, yeah. parents Kids even in bogeys were afraid to open their mouths, you know, it was very funny. But like it directed at coaches really, like and like I say, like you know, if the coach could maybe run in and get the message in silently and just get it, you know, a little word in the ear and back out again fast that they're not in and they're not giving notes and not roaring at the young lad or while they're putting them off, you know. I think that would be very beneficial and if we could start maybe down low column, yeah. you know, it's a big area for you. Okay. You know, I know we've been talking about it and discussing it and looking at ways that we could maybe implement something but in Sean I think down the line you know it's probably the club really like and, and just you know keeping the mouth shut when they're playing and and leave them playing and there's a time and a place to be shouting and roaring and, and, and it's not not for kids really like it's not yeah. not that age not that level. yeah and like I suppose like we, we we'd acknowledge that like most most coaches are very good they're very proactive very positive yeah. on the sideline um and the use of their words like i know wexford what they did last year was they, they just said you can only say positive things um so they encouraged to give out yeah. a list of, of sayings like well done johnny or good work get you'll get the next one so it's all positive affirmations um but i'm conscious that there's also a few 
headbangers that will shout and roar and ball and scream at everything that goes on the pitch. Um, but it's, it's a, that, that's in a lot of cases, it's not the coach at all, Colum. In a lot of cases, it could be the granny or the granddad. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, too, that's, like, that's true, too. No. Yeah, look, it's something we probably, <laughs> we, prob- we probably will do on a regular basis. I'd say the, the, like, the Blitz's impact creve are essentially um, side and sidelines in that the parents are off the pitch and it's just the coaches. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like as I said, I'd say the, we're probably at under eight. When we do it, it's probably not the group that's needed. It might be needed at the start of 12s to 14s to 16s, maybe, um, where, where there might be more, more need for it and desire for it. Um, yeah, but that's it. All right, look, we'll leave it at that. I want to say thanks very much, Pat. Thanks for your time, and thanks everyone for joining us. And we'll be on again next week, hopefully. Um, I'll get that details out there tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, yeah, cheers, lads. Thanks everyone. God bless.